Hello everyone, and welcome back to another podcast of Around the World in 8 Events, The Journey. We're going to carry on and crack on with Auckland. We're still in New Zealand, and we'll get two more events to adventure. So let's really understand these last two events, and have the story of the different perspectives to what these events brought to that country, to that city, and to my journey of Around the World in 8 Events. Before we get started and dive into Auckland, I want to say thanks for listening. Yes, right now it's just my voice telling a story of around the world in 80 events, but soon there'll be a conversation with hundreds of different voices understanding their favourite event in the world. Where have they been? What do they feel in the middle of a music concert? Maybe in Croatia? Maybe in an auditorium in Dubai? Or maybe in something in America? But for now... We're going to crack on and we're going to carry on through Auckland and appreciate event six on my journey. To be the best vegan was the first sign that welcomed me as I walked into Auckland's vegan food festival. It cost me $10 just to walk through fencil, fencil, panel fencing, fencing. I can't even say that word apparently. To walk in and just see these food trucks, they were all pastel in colours. It seemed to be a thing. Pastel activewear, fake flowers that were pastel, the food trucks all pastel, everything was pastel, except the concrete from this leisure centre that we were in, that wasn't pastel, but it may as well be chalked in pastel. It was like a rainbow of colours. And I walked around and I was in a middle class suburb of Auckland. So all these flashy cars that were surrounding me with everyone that had a disposable income. It was 40 minutes away from the city centre. So we were nowhere near where I was staying. But we were also really out in the sticks. The fancy fitness centre had kind of opened up its car park. And kind of opened up one of the halls to allow people to come in and be part of this Auckland vegan food festival. But really it was... Far from it. There was benches with um, people that were sitting on their phones being prepared to talk about how to be the best vegan. Where the, the speaker was also an active wear that was pastel in colour. I don't really get what or who decides how you've met that level. The lifestyle and choice to become a vegan, I believe, shouldn't really be then graded and marked like you're playing a cello for your final school recital. There's no space on these benches and everyone's just sitting on their phones and I'm thinking, are they just sitting there as a rite of passage to show that they're listening? Or do they feel it? Do they actually want to be part of this lifestyle? Walking around the 20 trucks that was surrounding me, I I wasn't really impressed. It wasn't really my favourite event. There was nothing wrong with it. But I don't really know what I bought into. I don't really understand the event. But around the world, vegan festivals is a huge business and very successful. And some of these events are actually organised for the correct reasons. In the UK, Vegan Events UK outlines all the cities that they have, all different markets. They're everywhere and very successful with what they do. Of course, they've been majorly affected by 2020's journey in itself. And it's interesting to see the schedule for 2021 is already rammed. A promise to an audience to say we will be back. But also a promise to suppliers to say we're going to have an opportunity for you to sell your products. 
So this is going to encourage more people to buy into a market that's already thriving and a market that there's already money to be made. But commercialization sometimes can change the agenda and change the overall perspective of why that event has been organised. Now, there was also the vegan festival in the UK as well that was postponed. It was aimed to welcome thousands, and always does, but this event is actually family run. Their ethos on the website has a great, you know, compass that is in the right direction. They will return in 2021, and they'll have a great showcase. And the aims that they have based on the lifestyle that people have and the promotion of health and the environment and the ethical way of living is something that some events, vegan-based, miss. Because instead they're based upon getting the dollar or the money or the pounds or the rupees or whatever currency you're listening to. Whereas for some events, they have a moral compass. They have this need to try and make a change and a want as well. In October, one of the only vegan festivals to take place in the whole world happened in Adelaide. Yes, there was COVID restrictions within the city in Australia, but still people were invited to come along to over 60 stalls. Yes, it was reduced in numbers by 16,000. But at the same time, this vegan festival gave hope and allowed people to have this fresh perspective of a new way of engaging in events. That in itself is a great way and a great testament to the organisers to say we can do this and we can be back. Now very quickly, in America, the vegan food festival industry, shall we say, or the vegan industry, is worth $14.2 billion. Mind-blowing. And in 2026, it's predicted that it's going to be worth $30 billion. But of course, with the diversion and the disruption of COVID-19, has this actually propelled it even more? There will be 40 or 50 billion because people are buying stuff online and because there's more engagement with regards to more time to think about your diet and think about your lifestyle like there was with being at home all the time? Or will it stop it because events won't be as big and won't be as popular and won't be as well attended? Well, I suppose we'll see in 2026 on this podcast. So let's get cracking with the next. My last event in Auckland. I'm sad to believe in Auckland. It's been quite an adventure. But as I run from the metro station through Erzale Hospital, skip down the back fence and arrive to the pathway that leads me to Erlesley Horse Racetrack, I can never say that city, a large wooden white structure meets me. This is the pop-up Shakespeare Globe. It's situated in a disused car park. It's on the horse race track and it's a replica of the Shakespeare Globe in London. Bizarre. This above all, to thine own self be true. Hamlet was the show I was going to be seeing tonight. Glancing around the theatre from outside, it was obviously built similar to the one that millions flock to every single year. I had been given a tour prior to the show, so I actually already knew what I was going to be seeing. I knew how it was going to be looking. The seats were quite steep, shall we say. There was a royal box in the middle. But most of the audience chose to stand, and those tickets were $5. $5? That's so accessible. Think about this when it comes to making something accessible for all to enjoy. You could actually see the actors 
actually inhale. You could see their chest moving. You could see the sweat dripping from their head as they gave everything for a three-hour performance. There was nothing quite like being at the feet of the actors. There was no sense of emotion like that was given me as I watched them sometimes forget lines because this was a preview night. They would engage with your eyes and you'd be dancing with the words that William Shakespeare wrote in the 17th century. And then that famous line arrived. To be or not to be, that is the question. I could feel my body shiver not because I was cold or I was standing for over three hours, but because I was listening to a production, a story being told, an opportunity to go back in time. Will we have that in 2020? Or beyond? Well, we'll reflect on that. But as I then came outside the theatre for the intro, because of course there's an intro, I saw this garden area that was built on the car park area, within the theatre. On lights and plants all spruced up the place. It felt very much like I was at the side of a riverside bar waiting for a gondola to go past in a busker with a harmonica or a guitar. There was no river. I was in the middle of a horse track, but my imagination was running away. So in 2019, Auckland wrap up after three years of being in the location. The pop-up was no longer, but of course, the pandemic changed that theatre company's direction. On their website, they actually spoke about the need for artists and theatres to be at the forefront of telling stories post this pandemic. They need to try and tell stories in a deeper meaning from the suffering and hardship that had been globally felt. Now, the absolutely destruction of the arts and cultural world has been something they had noted. And they know that they actually promoted that cultural companies, artists, They need to be at the forefront of how this pandemic is actually changing the ways of telling stories. Be more innovative. Be more encouraging. Relight. Reconvene. Re-engage when safe to do so in areas of theatre consumption. But it's crazy to think that after hundreds of years of William Shakespeare work, the pandemic was changing the way it was consumed. In 2019, actually, two English Shakespeare theatre companies the pop-up Shakespeare Rose Theatre, York and Blenheim, but I can never say that, Palace, actually went into liquidation. In 2019, they expected over 78,000 at one of their venues, but only 47 appeared. In the other, they expected 75,000, but only 38,000 have appeared. These numbers were before the pandemic hit. These numbers were showing that audiences maybe weren't engaging as much with the work. Technology, of course, wasn't used when Shakespeare around. So to keep it authentic, it was a play. It was a production. Now, the Cambridge Shakespeare Festival that happens in the UK every year, it runs for eight weeks, very successful open-air festival. It has shows like As You Like It, Henry IV, Hamlet, A Midsummer's Night, Dream, and more. But this festival, of course, was cancelled, quashed, not able to go ahead. And in 2021, it will come back. But the ironic story of William Shakespeare is he wrote a lot of his work, it is said, during the plague in the 17th century. His work was at the forefront of what came out. So the question I ask is, what will come out of today's pandemic? What will come out of this 21st century pandemic that we are going through right now? 
Where will the world be in four centuries' time? And how will they look back to what we produced? Will it be TikTok and 10 seconds of pointless dancing? Or will there be something of hope and love, but in a new shape for all to enjoy? So two events is enough to discuss today, but I'm about to now leave Auckland. It's funny, as I now sit nearly 18 months after leaving Auckland. I really loved the city, but I didn't at the same time, because it was concrete and glass. But the people made it with the cultural output, with their sport, love, with the musical talent, and with their hope of what is possible in a big city. Sometimes we don't fully respect the impacts that having big events can have over small events, or the impact the small events can have sometimes bigger than the big events. But in Auckland in 2020, they're one of the very few cities in the whole of the world to be able to right now have sport at the at their doorsteps for them to actually be able to put on a show and for the whole world to watch and all. So Auckland, I say to you, thank you for having me in February 2019. And I hope one day to return to see how the pandemic has changed you and has changed the city into being right now the only city in the world that's able to love and appreciate what events can do. So that was today's podcast of Around the World, Innate Events, The Journey. Click play for the next one.